Hey everybody, welcome to Bono Stuff and And that and that is factual. I do not know how to rap. And uh playing around with DJing the uh this thing. We'll see how that comes out, but also wanted to preface the this episode um, so trying that out intro, I want to thank all my sponsors, which do not exist. <laughs> um, and, uh, hopefully if anyone ever wants to sponsor the show, let me know. I am game. Um, but yeah, this was a fun episode to record with Cliff. And if you have any one who might have scoliosis, who could benefit from a different way to look at scoliosis, I think he's providing a very unique approach, uh, that I think is very rare in the medical space, a lot of times scoliosis does get a lot of the same, I don't want to call it cookie cutter treatment, but a lot of the same types of uh, treatments and people are told they can kind of just deal with it <laughs> and uh, you, you, you do okay, but it's never ideal. So hopefully um, if you know someone with scoliosis, you can check out Cliff, check out our conversation. Let me know what you think about the uh, audio quality. Uh, I recorded in my car, so playing around with that. Uh, I'm doing this one in my uh, bedroom here. Uh, I think it's got pretty good sound quality, but we'll, we'll we'll find out. So you guys, let me know how it all comes out, and uh, hopefully, you're doing great. We're doing great. The world's gonna do better every single day. One percent better every day, guys. Enjoy the podcast. Please, please, please share, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and uh, feel free to shoot me all feedback you got so we can continue to get better. Again, super fun with Cliff, and uh, looking forward to uh, you guys checking it out. Enjoy. All right, hey guys, welcome to Bono Stuff. Today I am on with Clifford Yun. Is that how you pronounce it? I actually don't know. Yeah, that's right. You guys, that's right. That's right. Y U N, and uh, he that's just right. started his new company, CliffPT.com. That's with two Fs. Um, and we wanted to touch base and, and talk about telehealth and and uh, that you know thing that's cha- sweeping the world right now. <laughs> so um, absolutely. Yeah, so A, before we jump into that, I did want to talk to folks real quick on my end about uh, the gluten and dairy-free September I'm doing. It's only day two, but I'm enjoying it, and uh, it's, it's given me a little bit of focus. I like doing some of these challenges. Have you ever done any challenge like that, Cliff, playing around nutrition or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I remember back, back in, you know, what was it, back in the day, you know, probably like we were just still in college age, but you were around my, my age, and, um, you know, the whole Atkins things came out, I was, I was definitely doing the, definitely with the leftover college weight, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let, let me try it out, you know, and I was skeptical too, I thought I had a good amount of, like, nutritional knowledge at, at that level, but, you know, it you know, it's good for us to go through these changes and to challenge our body and, and be the, the people that are going to provide this kind of keen insight for, for nutritional habits. Right. I mean, if, if I, you know, I wouldn't suggest that Atkins for everyone. And and I think at the, what you'll find is amazing things too. And, and just like any diet, it may not be for everyone, but you may find so many benefits for it that you can, tell the world and get your own, you know, clinical perspective. So I think it's so key for us to, to be on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. I, sh- I shot a video about it with, with my wife. She's doing the same challenge. I've done these before. 
I've cut out gluten, I've cut out dairy, and, and generally I feel better when I eliminate them, but I do love gluten, and I love dairy, I love pizza, I love bread, I, you know, coming from New York, I love bagels, so, um, but yeah, to your point, I think it's, it's important that we play around with uh, getting a better understanding of what we're tracking and how we can change our own health and give ourselves a little bit of ownership over that. So I've generally known that uh, when I ingest uh, something like, again, certain types of cheese, it, it's going to have some effect on me. But again, sometimes it's worth the risk because, uh, again, New York, New York pizza is just, uh, it's, 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 they say it's to die for. And, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. It's, it might be killing us slowly, but it's worth it. Cause it's that good. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. Let Let's jump back to um, the the telehealth and let's chat with Cliff here. Um, so you are based in Pen uh, Philadelphia now, right? Correct. Yes, Philadelphia. And how long you been there? Uh, I've been here since uh, probably the beginning of the year. Um, you know, right after everything hit New York, and um, basically, you know, the opportunity presented itself. Uh, you know, business had to close down and change its model and uh where i was working they just couldn't afford a full-time therapist anymore and i saw this opportunity I have, I have a place down here already i said you know what maybe it's time to switch gears you know it, you know in, in stressful times you know new things emerge and, and this may be my moment in, in so to speak and you know what i think it's absolutely amazing uh telehealth at this point uh just just been doing that since uh march and it's phenomenal Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I personally, um, I've done some version of telehealth for a couple of years now, um, which again has been fortunate, uh, for, for folks like us to, to, uh, have the experience around it, but also to be able to, to adapt our businesses to this changing world. Um, uh, yeah, I've done it through kind of the CrossFit lens in some capacities, working on fitness, health and conditioning. Um, but also, yeah, with the ability to work with folks on, uh, some of their more more uh, physical therapy needs, uh, uh, injuries, and things like that. So uh, your specialty is scoliosis, is that correct? Correct, yeah. I specialize in what's called uh, Schrapp scoliosis physical therapy. And, and, and that's uh, particularly, it's, it's a method that came out of um, Germany almost 100 years now. And, and it's developed into a major program out of Barcelona. And now it's in the States for about the last know, seven years. Seven, ten years, I want to say, uh, probably seven years, and and uh, yeah, it's just the way, honestly, that's clinically proven now to provide uh, physical therapy uh, assistance with scoliosis. It's just something that we haven't been looking at, and I'm sure you can reflect when you were in school, we weren't really taught much on how to look at scoliosis. Uh, systematically uh, really at the, the root of how scoliosis happens and what it does to the body other than that we're trying to improve core strength so uh, it, it is the way to go about it and and i and I, I find it's changed my career really since it's the bulk of of what i do a good 50 60 percent of what i do probably more like 60. wow um can you tell us a little about what it entails like what what makes that method or can you summarize it a bit for us Sure, uh, I think you know what Schroth does differently, and and it's and now Schroth isn't the only one, but it, it's the, the major one at this point. Is that it? It looks at scoliosis at truly what it is. It is not this kind of very uh, two plane 
diagnosis. For example, scoliosis itself is your spine and it's turning and it's bending. And that's the big thing. It's not just bending to the side. We visualize scoliosis as you're bending to the side, an S-shaped curve. Or in reality, when your spine is bending to the side, it's also rotating. And that creates a different dynamic of what you have to pay attention to. So we, we are looking beyond doing, let's do planks and side planks and crunches to build up core, because that just does, doesn't do anything when we have to really think about how do we open up these curves and how do we apply the opening up these curves to basic things in, of, of everyday living. So what Schroth does is teach the person how to open up these curves and then apply those postures to the most basic things and the most advanced things from how to sit, how to stand, how to walk, even how to go to sleep, and what, what's the best position to go to sleep. These are things that have shown to help prevent the progression of the curve. And when, when kids are at the school age where their body is progressing at such a fast rate, we've been, so, we've been uh, we've seen the ability to actually prevent surgery with uh, in conjunction with the uses of of the uh, Rigo Chanel brace, uh, mm-hmm. and prevented surgery, and you can imagine how many people could benefit from that. And then, uh, personally, on my level, I've 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 seen adults in particular. That's where I find majority of my work now actually is preventing adults from getting surgery. So these are adults who have scoliosis that wasn't diagnosed earlier, or was diagnosed and not really taken care of or was considered a minor scoliosis, so we don't need to do surgery, but now they're adults and it's progressing, what do they do? So I've found found that treating them with Schroth-based theories, uh, Schroth-based exercises, and knowing our you know, lexicon of functional movement as physical therapists, I've been able to preserve people's curvature. Now, it doesn't work forever. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's 100% of the time, because nothing really is, but I've been able to help out a good number of people to become more aware of their body, prevent their pain, reduce their pain, and just live their life. And so they're not consumed by the difficulty that they have because of their scoliosis. Awesome. So let's take a step back for, for anyone listening who might not know exactly what scoliosis is. Um, I, do want, I do think it's a great topic to, to, to dive into a little bit. So uh, basically, I mean, and you can correct me if, if you have a different definition, but it's just, it's, it's a curvature of the spine going kind of left to right instead of going straight up and down, right? We, we imagine a, a healthy spine going straight in a straight line up and down. A scoliotic spine is one that makes more of an S uh, left to right or right to left, right? And then we can measure that uh, based on certain degrees where we say, hey, like if it gets past, and I, I, I honestly don't even remember what the exact uh, criteria, I'm sure as you, it's your specialty, you can tell me, but um, the, at what point it becomes more of a, like you said, a, it's mild or it's it's actually something we might need to intervene with. Uh, do you want to kind of uh, talk about that definition that I get? And the, I guess the other sure. uh, the other part I'll, I'll, I'll throw in that you can correct me on uh, as the expert is, um, Functional versus structural, uh, that's something uh, that I, uh, stands out in my mind of, uh, again, structural being, uh, it's, it's already kind of set in place, functional being, uh, it, it's more, uh, again, for, for adolescents, it's not quite, uh, it's growing in that direction, but it's not, it's not set in stone yet, so to speak. Um, so am I getting that right, or, or, or is there a different Yeah, yeah. Like no, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the 
quickest way to think about it, right? It's a it's a bending of the of the spine to the left or the right. It could be it could be one curve, it could be two curves, it could be four curves actually. And the angle of the curve at any given level of the spine, when it begins to approach what we define as moderate or you know, moderate or, or severe levels, we're talking about numbers that are going well well into twenty and twenty and above, right? So mild is you're in your 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 low twenty as far as an adult. When you're and a that's, teen, that's, that's that's something you have to be aggressive. That's twenty degrees for for right. That's twenty degrees uh, based on the way we Correct. measure it. If we were to look on an X-ray. Or on a, on a human being, um, but but it's it's degrees just just for anyone uh, tracking right. it. <laughs> right, right. I'm just giving a you know a general ballpark here because I don't even know it's, it's was it 16, 17, 18. I, I don't want people to get you know over over uh, stimulated by the number, right? So let me give you a ballpark. So let's say 20 degrees is mild, and we say that 25. To, to 40 is where, where we can look at our moderates, right? And, and, then, and then anything above that is, is severe, really. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at like, compromised organ systems and things like that. So now, uh, so that's what scoliosis is. And the right? functional structural, and, and, was, that, was that about the, the easy way to sum it right. up? So then, yeah, and then functional structural, the difference is that we have scoliosis that's, that can come on because of it's, it's it's genetic you're born with it and you see it progress throughout your age the other part is where we have this scoliosis that develops over time through just habits right and, and, and that's the difference right it's not ingrained into your dna where your spine is actually turning that's your 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 um structural change of scoliosis right, right? But your functional scoliosis is like you just have bad posture or you have a poor habit of posture right. or you have a movement problem where, let's say, you have a leg length difference and that causes your scoliosis or or you get an injury. Something happens where, where you have an injury, where you're limping constantly for 30 years. Suddenly you have another functional scoliosis change, right? Yeah. And all these can still be addressed with Schrott, but then we, we, we grab from that other paradigm of our of our toolbox of PT, and we say, okay, we can we can adjust this and use our, all their sports and, and, and orthopedic mindset, but remember that this is occurring at the spine too, and address that with some Schrott-based things. Very cool. I think that uh, this might need its own separate, uh, I can hear you're in Philadelphia there with the sirens in the back. Um, yeah, yeah, just like New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can tell the difference in the sirens growing up in New York. I know the, I know the difference. Yeah, there, yeah. But... Um, so I think, yeah, scoliosis, I don't know. Um, I'd like to jump over to the telehealth and also how you, how yeah. you work with that on, uh, do you, do you treat folks with scoliosis through telehealth? Is that, that's the next question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, obviously there's a good, with, with this type of work, it's, it's incredibly great to be able to see someone in person and, you know, and go, but you know, with COVID, I've realized that if I can go through one one visit in person, I can continue that treatment in a, in a hybrid model, you know, some points in person, some point in telehealth, and I continue my, my scoliosis treatments, making sure that the patients are doing the exercises correctly, and then coaching them along through the strength and conditioning portions of, of physical therapy that coexist with the Schroth exercises. So it's actually transferred over to telehealth fairly well so that I can look at people's actual home environments and see how they're doing the exercises at home. So that, that actually almost improved 
my outcomes because now I can see how they're actually doing it at home. We can go over it all we want inside the office, but if they're not doing it correctly at home, then it doesn't matter. And that's what I found amazing about telehealth. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll 100% jump on board with that sentiment. And again, I've, I've found that uh, even before COVID, uh, most folks that I would see in person, I would want to see them one time. The assessment in person is a little bit, I think, quicker um, and does allow us to troubleshoot a little bit faster. But uh, then no matter if I see you in person, I'm still most likely wanting to put you on uh, uh, this online concept, which again was uh, whether we call it telehealth or online coaching, uh, whatever it is in terms of, uh, you know, uh, state practice acts and legalities and things like that. But uh, it's something that I found and I would go to no matter what. And I think that the, the, we have the technology. Uh, we've had it for a while. Um, I've worked again with, I, I would say, hundreds of clients now through through this online model. And I just find that uh, the compliance is much higher. Um, like you said, we can really work with um, getting the most out of their their own exercises, whatever their environment is. So, um, you know, whether we're working with athletes or folks dealing with injuries and conditions like scoliosis, um, I think that the online model is is the future. And I, I and, and I want to jump over to this for a sec um, and, and see where you're at on this. Um, have you seen other healthcare practitioners kind of trying this? And, and I've seen a lot of failure in, in folks jumping over, not being prepared, not having the systems in place, trying to adjust to, to the lockdown and COVID and saying, oh, we have telehealth available, but trying to do the same thing that they did in the clinic or they rely too much on their hands and they don't really have that ability to switch over. So I don't know, and again, I'm not here to, to, to talk trash or, or, or talk ill of other clinicians, but I've just seen that um, if you haven't been doing this, if you don't uh, you know, put all the systems in place, that, that telehealth can be kind of bastardized, so to speak. Um, and, and I don't know if you've seen that with other clinicians or you think that um, as, as professions, we're all doing a pretty good job with adjusting to telehealth. Where, where do you think stand on that? I, th I think the, the progression or the advancement into telehealth as far as for any clinician, what I've found is that you, we just we have to be open. You know, I, I think in this PT field, you, if you don't learn that soon enough, you're going to you're going to sink to be honest. Absolutely. And, and, and especially with these times, technology is progressing so quick and medicine just moves along with it. We know this. So that if, if you're a clinician and you're not susceptible to, or, or not, uh, you know, allowing to soak in that change, yes, you, you will have trouble transitioning. Yeah. And those, that's what happens. That's the only reason why the clinician doesn't, isn't able to transfer over to telehealth too easily because they don't feel comfortable with looking at a camera or they don't feel comfortable with um, coaching, right? Coaching to that way. Mm -hmm. Although it's not that far off from what we were doing anyway in person. The only difference is we're not putting our hands on. And, 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 and quite honestly, as a field, as physical therapists, we have oversold our manual skills as almost as if it's the only thing that we can do. And as much as it is a huge benefit in, in, in several ways, it is not the only benefit and the primary cornerstone of how physical therapy works. It is only another tool that we can use. Yeah, I mean, I would jump in and, and say that to the public, um, physical therapy generally is, I had surgery, I need to recover. Uh, the general, I think, uh, anticipated treatment is uh, I don't even know if it's a lot of hands-on. I think most of the public sees us as heat, stim, ice, uh, 
maybe some traction. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion about what it is that we actually do versus the reality of, of especially with the insurance model where, um, and, and, and again, maybe you could talk to your experience on this, but I've seen that, again, when you're in the insurance model and you have uh, busy kind of, we call them mills, right? Uh, those clinics where uh, you have to, you're dealing with a lot of insurances, so you have to be uh, seeing three people per hour. So maybe you get 20 minutes of hands-on time or one-on-one -on -one time, but the rest of the time you're either working with a physical therapy aide, assistant, um, and you're, you're, you're getting the, uh, these, again, passive modalities, which I, I would say, it, it's a, a, an unfortunate reality of our system. It's far from the most ideal. Um, and, and again, it doesn't reflect what most of the physical therapists that like I, I believe you and I um, practice, right? Like I haven't touched an ultrasound unit uh, probably since, uh, I, I don't wanna say physical therapy school back in 2008 when I graduated, but you know, I've, I've, I did uh, have it in my first kind of clinical uh, experience and uh, probably 2010 was the last time I've actually touched a, a, a ultrasound unit. So I don't know about you, but do you, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that, that, you know, we have, we have all our bells and whistles, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's all it is. It's just sprinkles on top of a Sunday, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. And, but the reality is you want the ice cream, right? And, 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 the, the benefit of our skill set is well beyond all these little tools that we that we can give as as extra accessories, right? So yeah. that's the way I look at it, right? It's it's all it's all little other tiny little fringe benefits, but the reality of the knowledge and the and the one on one and that skill set that we develop and we work with our clients is is so apparent in, when it when we get to telehealth. Absolutely. Um, just you know, for example, I'm gonna you know outside of scoliosis, I see all a whole slew of other type of clients and i had a client call me because there's their son dislocated their his collarbone right yeah so 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 for general public it's it's the collarbone where it meets up with the shoulder right so it's the ac joint it's a nice little dislocation playing around with his friends but you know they had no idea what to do they couldn't see people in per people at that time definitely it wasn't a big surgical thing because it wasn't it wasn't to that severity so what did i do i worked through four weeks one visit a week he was compliant with his exercises uh and and it was all through telehealth and and now he's fine no surgery needed right and and everything healed up fairly well and and he's moving with little to no pain uh, on most days at this point and I'm pretty sure he's gonna be at no pain in another week or two. What was the what was the length of, of time that we're talking about here for that guy? About six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, that's great. And six weeks since yeah. Right. That that we could say like, hey, you're past the point where you might need surgery where traditionally we might have uh you know thrown you over to surgery. Um and, and I wanna harp on that too of um, that's a, a message and, and concept that I continue to, to try to um, emphasize that every time somebody gets a surgery, you mentioned it before also with scoliosis of, of you know, A, there's a huge cost associated with that. Um, there, there's a lot of time recovering. Most orthopedic surgeries, I would say, take a full year to recover from, whether that's an ACL reconstruction, which I had back in 2008. I could talk more about that. Um, an Achilles repair, which one of my best friends just had, and he's at about a year out. So he's back to jogging, doing 5Ks, things like that. So um, a year of not really being yourself, 
uh, it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, if we can help you avoid that, um, those are those are phenomenal things. And the research is coming out on top to show that something like the Achilles repair, in a lot of cases, uh, I just did a journal club with a, a bunch of other physical therapists that I, I chat with, and um, we actually looked at an article, 13-year uh, follow-up, which is pretty rare in research, showing that uh, conventional treatment versus uh, surgical treatment for an Achilles rupture had the same outcomes 13 years down the line, which is pretty cool to look at, and we don't have a lot of data like that. Um, so yeah, avoiding surgery is just tremendous. So uh, we as physical therapists, I think don't harp enough on our ability to help people avoid that process. And again, the, the, the I'll say American kind of mindset is, hey, I can fix this with a surgery. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, psychological and social components that go to that. Because if you were to, in, in the Achilles situation, not have the surgery, even if you're walking around with a boot, um, there's a little bit less sympathy, I think, for you between your, your loved ones, people at work. Um, they're like, if you, ha if you said, I have a surgery, they're like, oh, oh, take your time. You know, but if you don't have that surgery, they almost have, they almost are like, well, like, why are you complaining? Like, have the surgery if right. it's a problem. Like, there's this interesting mindset to the general public, again, that we're, I think, trying to battle through. But yeah, in terms of costs and things like that, I think that, uh, yeah, we are uh, probably one of the best providers to help people avoid surgeries. And that's something that um, does get overlooked. Anything on that? Because I have a, another burning question yeah. that I, I don't want to lose. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to add to that. I'd yeah. love to add that because you know, so let's talk, you know, surgery is, is the obvious one, right? Saving the the, the, the sheer uh, problem of going through surgery, going through the recovery time, uh, and going through the pain that surgery in and of itself gives, right? There's yeah, there's um, risk, there's definitely risks associated yes. with with surgery that we. Uh, we tend to again overlook because, and they, right. they they are relatively rare, but at the same time, um, infections in the hospital, things like that, are one of the leading causes of death. Right. And we're not trying to scare right. anyone off of surgery by any means. No, no. But <laughs> well, that's the time. And then let's talk about. Let's talk about. Yeah. And then you go, you do the surgery, and then you have that's time. It's mm -hmm. not just time because you had surgery and you're in recovery. This is time as you're going to rehab and you can't go to work. Right. Or you're, you're in so much pain that you can't concentrate on work. Meanwhile, before the surgery, you were in pain, but you could concentrate on work. You could get to work. Or you couldn't get to work, but you could concentrate on work. You could work remotely, which we're all doing right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you were still functional to that capacity. But once you've hit that surgery, that's a different state of mind. And, and you, you, you're adding another thing that, that eats into what I, what I want to talk about is time. We're, we eat at the time, and everyone's mm -hmm. time is money. Let's be let's be real about that. Yeah. that. Everyone's time is valuable, and so when we look at telehealth specifically, hello, we are looking at you're not commuting, you know, you, you're not going to the PT office back, back and forth. You're not spending time for childcare for if you're if you're you know you're at home watching the kids. You don't have to spend time for childcare. Because you, you went to PT and back. You don't have to pay that amount. So you, you're gaining time back. And in return, you're getting more one-on-one -on -one care, probably longer care. And, and you're getting more consistent oversight of how you do this in your own environment, in your home. I did the math. You know, For example, let's say outside of, of uh, surgery. Let's talk about the big thing that a lot of people get surgery for, back pain, right? Back surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to bring this up too. Go ahead, though. Yeah, so like the average back pain uh, person, right, gets a script for PT. This is just a normal reflex at this point when you see a doctor. And the doctor will say two to three times a week for eight weeks, right? Uh, that's the, like the, the window, right, on average. 
uh, if you're lucky, you get eight weeks. So two to three weeks, right? So uh, two to three times a week. So if we look at that and we look at the number of how long that takes by the end of it all, right? How many hours? Uh, you're looking at 36 hours of, of time dedicated, you know, going to, let's say you get a half hour to go to the PT point, half hour coming back, the hour of time you spend at PT, that's two hours of visit, right? So you get about 36 hours on average uh, of PT time. Now, if you did it, if that changed, you weren't commuting, so you took away an hour out of that out of that, that time component. And you only saw a person for an hour, and you saw that person, and the person only saw the PT only an hour a week. Now they're only dealing with eight hours. Only eight hours of time. We saved a lot of time there, almost a day's worth, really. Uh, and now equate that to how much you're worth. You know, there's that other concept about how much you're worth. Let's say you're worth $50 an hour. Now you multiply that by the time saved between 36 and eight hours. That's, that's a lot of money. You know, that, that's, that's time. Yeah. Time and money. Yeah. I, I think, and on top of that, guess what? We're decreasing the other elephant in the room, opioid use, pain, pain management, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the other amazing thing that we can do uh, for, for people. And that needs to be uh, recognized and, and talked about more. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that um, in, in our side of things, uh, cash-based physical therapists, you know, that term is, is, has done the best job in our profession of kind of talking about these, these concepts, um, pushing for less surgery, saving time, all these concepts. Uh, cause when you're, when you're selling physical therapy, it's different than providing physical therapy based on insurance. Like you said, that traditional model and, you know, there's choose PT first. There's that whole concept of, of, you know, if you have some back pain, at the end of the day, uh, the, the reality is, and I've seen some studies on this recently, most folks are going to go to their chiropractor, they're going to find a chiropractor, uh, they're going to go to their orthopedic surgeon or their general practitioner and go through that process of getting x-rays, MRIs, uh, possibly opioids right into that pathway where it's a huge uh, financial burden, time burden, and, and it's just it's creating all sorts of problems for our overall healthcare system. And the other part that I'll throw in is I think we as physical therapists, especially when we get down to these one-on-one times, and this is something I incorporate a ton in my practice is uh, lifestyle change, which also chiropractors, I'll give credit to uh, talk about some of these things. I don't always love some of the methods that they choose to, uh, to, to uh, generalize, um, you know, but, but I think that there is something to that talking about sleep, talking about uh, stress management, talking about nutritional concepts that are, are, are I think we're, we're doing a poor job if we're not addressing those things. Um, so the other part I was going to say, oh, we lost Cliff there. Let's see if we can call him right back. So we're still recording and recent boom, Cliff, not sure what happened. Giving him a call. Cliff is... Yeah. Hey, yeah, right. we lost him. All right. Yeah. Are you all right? Was that me? Was that you? Yeah. I don't know. I think that was you. I think that was you. It's a lost call. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't moving, but yeah, that does happen. And the recording kept going, um, and, and I'm doing this in my car. Um, I'm not driving, but uh, yeah, I only got two bars, so <laughs> we'll see if it happens again. Um, we can see. <laughs> and and I, I just wanted to test out how the audio is. I don't know if I just rambled on too much. I don't know at what point I cut out for you. But the other thing I wanted to jump in and I'll finish with this point is to sure. your point about back pain. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Stuart McGill, who's a low back 
fix, I believe, uh, or back pain fix, yeah. low back fix, one of those on, on social medias. But uh, he's one of the foremost uh, spine researchers. So he harps on the fact that yes, sham surgery, which is when you go in, you're told you have surgery, they might even do an incision um, specifically for the spine because the spine surgeries generally do not have very good outcomes. And they are not necessarily any better than not having surgery at all. So it's this change in movement behavior to your what you talked about in scoliosis um, when you're told you had a surgery and you're told you need to take some time off and away from the things that probably have been picking the scab so to speak um, and, and it is that sham surgery and just forced rest that that gets just as good if not better much better outcomes in fact um, as we've seen it and again it's hard to show all these in just research but I think we can move on from that point we've driven that home unless you have yeah. another thing to add i wanted to ask um i saw you're certified in telehealth is that right through is that through the apta no uh, there's a there's a there's a just a program for for telehealth and, and they go through like a certification program to make sure that you understand all the ins and outs of telehealth so that you're utilizing telehealth uh uh-huh. well who, who is that through i'm just curious that's that's from a fizzy fizzy track it's a, it's a okay. company that it does telehealth all out of uh, UK and Australia. Very cool. And they supply telehealth for all the big uh, hospitals out there. Very cool. I like it. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. So I think we covered a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know how the audio is going to come out. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's other things you wanted to chat about, but I'm I'm I think uh, I've saturated my own brain a lot. Um, <laughs> I got some good stuff, and I did. I will mention here at the end that my wife does have scoliosis um, and we've been looking for some different theories and yeah, I've been, I've been going about it, the uh, traditional approach. So I'm curious um, and, and, and we haven't resolved it by any means and she, she got it as an adult, so to speak. Um, so, so I don't know if uh, I, and I didn't know this about you. We hadn't connected in a while. So I'm glad yeah. that you reached out um, when I was talking about this whole podcast thing. And I would love for you to um, do, do some telehealth with my wife and, uh, and see yeah. if we can, we can, and I'd be curious to, to uh, ch- uh, check in on that. And I'm not familiar with the, the, the certification you have. So um, again, that's the thing. There's so many different schools of thought um, and, and yeah, not everything works hundred percent. Um, so, so I'd be curious to, to, uh, see if we can, uh, check that out and probably do a follow-up podcast after doing a few sessions and, and, and talk about, yeah. Hey, um, the telehealth experience from both ends. And, um, yeah, that, that would be really cool if, if you're down for that. Yeah, I'm absolutely down for that. I, I think, I think, um, from, yeah, from, from our, from your mindset as a clinician, from your wife's mindset as a clinician herself, from the psychological aspect, I think that'd be fantastic. I think it would absolutely be fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's going to be important for people to to be talking about because that's the other big factor with scoliosis is body self-image and how that affects you and how that affects your posture and how you approach exercise and health. 100%. Yeah, the the kind of biopsychosocial model, <laughs> if, if, yes, uh, you know, that's the nerdy version of it. Uh, so bio being the body, psycho uh, mindset. And the, the social also is that support system kind of thing of it. But yeah, that's a, that's a concept in our profession here that um, for the listener that, that I think um, is, is vital to incorporate that often gets overlooked. A lot of times it is just, yeah, here's your exercises, you know, do these three times a week or every day or whatever. And, and you get a, a handout and there's not a lot of attention paid where I think the telehealth model allows us to follow up with a lot of my clients. I'll check in with them almost daily 
um, asking for a rating of, hey, how are you feeling today? Zero to five or one to five. Um, how was your sleep? How was your food? How were your social interactions is one of the questions I actually ask um, a lot. So, you know, some people got in a fight and, you know, with their partner, with their friend, maybe they went on Facebook and, and got into a political thing. And, you know, uh, mm -hmm. with, with the election coming up, it's crazy times. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, uh, there's the cliche kind of going around of, you know, you never know what someone's going through. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there is a lot of um, validity to that. And, and there's a lot of uh, attention that we should be paying to these things. And it's, it's tricky too, in a lot of ways, a lot of the podcasts I listen to have the, um, I guess, uh, the, the, uh, what is it? The online kind of, uh, psychologist available. Uh, they're promoting this. I'm hearing a lot more advertisements for this between like Joe Rogan, a lot of these stand up comics that have podcasts that I really enjoy their podcast, but I've noticed they have this, um, I can't even think of the name of it now. I don't know if you heard of this, but yeah, it's the same kind of online uh, psychology uh, services that, that are getting right. um, pushed. So it's it's something that, again, I think we as, as um, healthcare practitioners, physical therapists um, should be so doing some version. I think most of us do. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, we're not gonna address all those issues, but we need to be checking on some of those. And we can also be providing some support, uh, especially during these uh, 2020 COVID times. Um, and hopefully it's only 2020 and by 2021, uh, <laughs> we're at a better better situation. But yeah, man, um, I, I've really enjoyed catching up. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to work this into the, the kind of podcast of uh, leave us with one really positive thing that, you know, like uh, some good news that uh, uh, that that's going to, you know, keep us uh, with a smile on our face. Uh, totally not related to this whole uh, telehealth uh, craziness. So. So, yeah, tell me tell me something good, man. Tell me something good. Oh, tell you something good. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> outside of this whole craziness thing, that, that that at the end of the day, we're still here, man. You know, yeah. we're yeah. still here. We, you know, and 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 that's that's it. That's honestly it. We're still here. So now we got to do something about it. You know, we got to utilize that time, and we should. And I think that's a very positive thing. It's 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 it's. it's it's created an opportunity and I think that we all should be taking that opportunity seriously and thinking about what we can do about it to make things better for all of us. Absolutely. And, uh, I guess we'll leave it off on that. Um, all right, get 1% better today, guys. And, uh, thank you Cliff for joining me. Uh, I feel 1% better just from this conversation and, uh, yeah, hopefully the audio comes out. All right. We'll find out. All right, guys. Peace. All right. Take care.